Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Hey friends, thanks for uh, tuning into another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Uh, I want to think about this thought about the future today. And I heard a phrase many years ago by our pastor here at Greater Grace, Tom Schaller. And he said, our future is as bright as the promises of God. And that statement's really helped me over the years to keep perspective. It's helped keep an objective worldview, a biblical worldview that interprets my worldview. But think about that today. Our future is as bright as the promises of God. Now, yesterday's gone. Today we have this moment just passed by, and the future is unknown if we will have it or not, because we can't know what's going to happen next. But we do know this. We know who holds our future, and it's as bright as the promises of God. So in the day and age we're living in, which is quite tumultuous, I mean, we turn on the news and see... significant evil demonstrated atrocities and uh, just a lot of um, a lot of evil and strange things that many of us have trouble processing and we can't lose our objectivity uh, but we are touched by the infirmities of those that are broken or those that have had injustices done to them. And uh, just on a personal note, looking at the Ukraine and just seeing this uh, <clears throat> this, this horrendous, horrendous situation, um, it's so interesting to me that people still think that this is something the Ukraine has staged. I mean, it's so absurd to me. Uh, And we know that someone who may say that or someone that may believe that is a product of propaganda. But uh, seeing and talking to people in the Ukraine recently, uh, what we're seeing is actually a reality. And it's it goes along with the history of uh, how conquerors are. They just burn, pillage and destroy. So we understand this is way beyond flesh and blood. It's uh, We're not hating the people of Russia, but we are hating what's going on in the Ukraine by Russian soldiers. And it's important to make a clarification there because evil is indiscriminatory in this sense where uh, we all have evil in us. And if we live in the old sin nature, the government of evil can take over and uh, cause us to do things that are unthinkable. And no, in no way, in any way, am I condoning what's going on. But as Christians, we can't hate people. We can't hate people because if we start to hate the person, then we lose our ministry to them. But Jesus handled it very differently. He, uh, in Luke 19, 41 through 44, he wept over Jerusalem. And when he came near to the city and saw this city, he wept over it. What was going on in Jerusalem? Well, there was sin. There was uh, 
imposters in the church. There was uh, just great idolatry. Um, there was uh, great compromise. And Jesus was saying, Would that I, even you, had known on this day the things that would make peace, but you have hidden your eyes, for the day will come when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and you will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. So we read these verses and we think, wow, I mean, so important to know and have an understanding of the fear of the Lord in the, in the Lord's visitation, because the wages of sin is death. In our world, as we near the rapture, we're going to see more and more confusion, war, and atrocities. Just read the chapter of Matthew 24. But what is our perspective as believers? Well, our future is as bright as the promises of God. Do you know promises? Do you, have you hidden yourself in a promise? Uh, is it something that translates or interprets, I should say, what you're looking at? Because when you look at tragedy, absolutely, it does touch our heart and breaks our heart. In Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. The justice aspect of us, we want to fight for the weak. We want to revenge the injustices, and that is right. That is right. But ultimate justice will be in heaven. But we're in a day of um, where leadership is sitting on their hands. I mean, just look at our world and the response to the Ukraine. Uh, it's a. It's just. Um, there's not even a word I can think of except just late, just absolute ridiculousness that we are allowing uh, this to continue. But God in his plan, in his will, he will make all things work out to the good, to them that love God and are called to his purpose. You know, that verse in Romans 8, 28 may be hard to swallow and stomach at this time, thinking, wow, how can my personal tragedy or my difficult situation or uh, looking at the world and wars and <clears throat> just... Um, liars in business or whatever it is, maybe a divorce, maybe um, just a personal uh, personal snare or struggle that you're facing. How can God turn this into something good? Well, ultimately, we're living in a world that's lies in total wickedness. There is no good in this world outside of God. So the human, the humanistic lie is an absolute uh, deception. So Jesus is saying, look to me, <clears throat> pay attention to my promise, focus on what I am doing. And then we'll see a great harvest of souls because people will be uh, really in a place of where they can't stay neutral. And I say that to Christians too, uh, Christians that are not educated in the Bible will have the same narrative as the world. They'll just have some churchianity attached to it or some Christianese. But in Acts 8, 2, we see that we are touched and, and devout men buried Stephen and lamented greatly over them. 
there's this weeping that touches us. There's this anger, righteous anger that is like, God, how long will you allow this to continue? And we have to be very quiet and still before him, not to get into our emotions and enter into a blind rage, but to really think with God to protect the weak, to uh, to confront the bully, to confront the aggressor and the oppressor. Well, very interesting. If you look at Isaiah 53, Jesus was a man of suffering. He wept over Jerusalem. He wept over Lazarus. Why? Many reasons. I mean, he loved people, but also he lamented over uh, Lazarus for two reasons, I think. Yes, he loved him, but he was also grieved at the lack of faith present when he was present. He just simply uh, was grieved that no one believed that he could raise him from the dead. <clears throat> John eleven thirty three through 36, Jesus wept. He had such a heart. And this is, this is important. Tears are beautiful, not, not manufactured tears, but we will all have a broken heart and God is near to the brokenhearted in Psalm 34. And I don't think we should resist weeping. I think weeping shows that we're human. It shows that uh, we loved much and therefore we will weep much. And we understand that beautiful promise in Psalm 126, those that weep will again awake into joy. There's a sowing and weeping and then a reaping in joy. So maybe you're broken about something. Let that brokenness take you to the Lord and find a promise. Don't necessarily seek a solution, which is the natural order of things. Seek a promise. Okay, Lord, what do you say about these things? A defensive promise is something that encourages me. An offensive promise is something that addresses the atmosphere. Learn some promises. There's over 8,000 promises in the Bible. They are what keep us in times where things don't make sense. Very interestingly, if you look at Isaiah chapter 16, 9, 11, and 13. These verses are very interesting because Isaiah <clears throat> said, I will weep. I will water you with my tears. Therefore, my heart shall sound like a harp for Moab and my inward parts for Kirhiris. This is the word that the Lord spoke to Moab, <clears throat> excuse me, in times past. Now, this is a very interesting verse. Because these were enemies of Israel. Moab was an enemy of Israel. <clears throat> and Isaiah is weeping over an enemy. Just like David wept over Saul and Absalom. And these were men that were crusading against him. Now, why would Isaiah do that? It's because he was touched with the infirmity of even his enemy. That's why... <clears throat> excuse me, in the Ukraine, maybe we don't know everyone involved, but we have uh, a, a sense, a conscience to say, God, please bear 
the broken. Please help those that are in difficulty. I remember being in the train station in Warsaw just recently talking with these Ukrainians that have fled from these cities and just seeing them, hearing them. And that's why I'm, I get irritated by these news, these newscasters that just talk about this war as, as it's just, as it's just some narrative to a story. I mean, I understand the importance of getting information, but, and it's impossible to bring out every human emotion. I guess that's not what I'm saying, but when it's just facts, uh, it's just, I don't know. I have to go to God and say, Lord, I don't want this just to be facts. I want this to be something I can be praying for a ministry to Ukrainians and Russians for that matter in my vicinity and have a word of love and encouragement to them. Um, you know, we can't be blaming uh, Russians, all Russians, for what's going on in Russia. It's a delusion. It's seeing that stadium filled with Russians, and they're so excited about how Putin is liberating Ukrainians. I mean, it's such a demented, delusional thing to watch. But but our, our ministry as believers is, is not political, and it's not... Um, it's not to correct people's political ideas. It's to vote our values and to minister the Lord. And it's a very easy thing to cross over and we can get into trouble and, and divide people. But if our ministry, if our message is the gospel, then we will weep with people. You know, Isaiah 22, 4, he, look, he said, look away from me. I weep bitterly. Like Isaiah for 40 years preached to Israel before they went into captivity. And now Jeremiah is in captivity, weeping. He's the weeping prophet. Tears really are a beautiful expression of brokenness, of care. Maybe you don't have tears for people, and that's okay. I've met people in funerals that don't even cry over their loved ones, and they they feel guilty about it. Everyone grieves a different way. Grieving is, uh, or remorse is this place where uh, we need just to go to God and be honest with him, be transparent with him, be vulnerable with him, uh, rather than a show to people uh, to show them that we're grieving. I mean, really, grieving is a personal thing that as long as we process our pain at the feet of Jesus, if we don't process our pain, pain will seek pleasure and lead us into maybe chain sinning, or they will cause a complex psychologically. It can really mess us up. So grief is one of those things that are meant to bring us to the zero point to show that we are mortal, that time is short, to redeem the time, and that the days are evil. Jeremiah 48, 30 through 32. Again, I know his wrath, saith the Lord, that it is nothing. His boastings have worked nothing. Therefore will I wail from Moab. Yes, I will cry out for all of Moab. For the men of Kehirs shall they mourn. With more than the weeping of Jazer, I will weep for you, vine of Sib Sibma. Now, what's he saying here? He's like, God's persistence and reaching out to Moab, Romans 10, 21, reaching out to the evil with his arms wide open, they rejected him. So the ultimate consequence as people die in their sin, they go to hell, and that is the worst end imaginable. 
So their, their actions were unjust, they're deceived, and now they are dead, and now they're standing before God and condemned forever. <clears throat> that is something to weep about, that every day people go into a crisis eternity. That's what brings perspective. That's what keeps our priorities uh, in a place of, of, um, of a biblical center. Don't let the world and the emotion and the news and <clears throat> just um, people's carnality or narrative bring you off into a rabbit trail. It's like these are days that are that are evil and we need to be focused and steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Weeping, weeping. These these are <clears throat> there are people, a lot of people around you today with no hope. They don't know how to process um, just what's happening. And I think as we have crossed a significant line, as we see federations happening, as we see unification, global unification happening, we see uh, innocence displaced. Um, we see these things that maybe are hard to process. We must take them to the Lord and say, God, what is your promise? Because your promises, our future is as bright as what you say. Like what you say will never fail. What you say will never be irrelevant. What you say will always be relevant, always will have power, always will have authority. So many people speak, they want power. I want power. I want control. But Jesus had authority. Big difference. His authority stood forever. Certainly he was led to the slaughter voluntarily. He did not have power or exercise his power, but he had authority everywhere he went. And that authority is what changed lives. <clears throat> so today, wherever you are, maybe you're um, kind of confused or don't know how to think or it's depressing maybe to think about certain things in, in your world. Lord, how do I process this? P process it in prayer. Process it in the promises. Process it in faith. Confess what Jesus says. That doesn't mean that there will not be tears. Maybe there will be tears. Maybe there won't be. <clears throat> maybe there will be anger. Maybe there won't be anger. Uh, maybe there will be silence. Let the prudent be silent in the evil day, Amos talks about. Well, again, <clears throat> we want to know, Lord, what is it that is, is my role in all this? What, what is my purpose? What am I to say? Uh, I am one, but I am one. And therefore, you have a, a, a ministry and a purpose for me in this time. So just to encourage us today, uh, <clears throat> we're not the great diplomat. We're, we may not be the great orator are definitely not the great politician, but we are an ambassador. We are an ambassador of good news. So find the promises today. Make it personal. One of my favorite promises is Isaiah 41.10. Again, God says, I will uphold you, strengthen you. Be not dismayed, for I will strengthen you. Beautiful promises there. Over 8,000. How many do you have? How many do you can you quote? I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, I will love you always. John 13, 1. 
13, 5 and 8 of Hebrews. I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will love thee with an everlasting love and with loving kindness have I drawn you. What are some promises that you have? I will celebrate you today and keep you from falling in Jude. Uh, the last uh, the last few verses of Jude there. I'll keep you from stumbling. I am the Lord. I will change not. I love that. I, f- I love 103, 10 and 10 through 12 Psalms that I have not dealt with you according to your sin, but I have forgiven you. These are great promises. Have promises in your heart. Let them define and be the lifter of your head in difficult news, difficult things we see. Are we touched by the murders in our city? Are we are we grieved by the uh, deception of the world? Are we angry at the injustices of the weak? Absolutely. But our anger is righteous, and we must have a message that doesn't attack people, but addresses the kingdom behind what is stirring up the strife. So let's... Uh, Let's think about that today, and God bless you. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.